boy, welcome back. Welcome back. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, everything in between to the Jake Botel football experience. It is good to be back. It is damn good to be back. In your ear holes. Following a couple of weeks of technical mishaps, technical mayhem, pulling my hair out, questioning my sanity. I'm back. We're back. And in a different format than usual. How exciting is this? Different format. I feel like a new man. The Jake Botel football experience returns. We're going to, well, first of all, I guess we've got a fresh start here. But today's episode, we're going to talk football. Football in a variety of of ways. The NFL, we'll talk some high school football, Vero Beach, the Fighting Indians, a high school team I've started to follow. We'll get some, uh, talk about a YouTube series, The Season tracking the uh, progress of the old Miss Rebels in college football. We'll talk college football and what my college football Sunday entailed. And then a little NFL. Touching a bit on the uh, Raiders-Packers game and the Ravens at the Seahawks. Lamar Jackson, the human cheat code. We'll get into all that and probably a little bit more on the Jake Botel football experience. Let's uh, get to it. So I wanted to start today's episode talking a little bit, uh, just briefly, about the technical mishaps, the mayhems. Don't want to peel back the curtain too much, but after banging out six episodes on YouTube in that primo video format, uh, the whole operation sort of hit a bit of a roadblock in the format of computers being unwilling to bend to my will and the harsh realities of dealing with uh, pretty choppy internet. So, you know, the thing that eventually had to bend was me, not the technology, not the uh, software. It was the human software, the warm prop. The host had to bend in order not to break. And I tell you what, dealing with technology, that last little shred of mental sanity that I have, that I possess between my years, it's not a lot, ladies and gentlemen. Just a very fine, you know, picture a horsehair, thin shred of sanity. That baby almost broke. But I'm adaptable. I can bend. Not very well. But hey, I'll give it a shot. I don't have like yoga levels of bend. But you know, I can bend a little. A little. Not too much. Or that little shred of sanity might just snap. And who knows what will happen. Probably not a lot. You know, you tweet about it, you get angry. Hashtag first world problems. And then you move on. And you do your podcast in a different format. So we're trying something new. Trying an app called Anchor, which seems to be incredibly promising. It's got the option of creating and sharing everything within the app, which I really love, because that's been part of the problem, producing the JBFE, is all the parts are separate, I record it on my phone, I edit it on my phone, but then I have to export it on my phone, which takes hours and locks up my device for hours. And then I've got to put it on the computer and I was running into problems getting it off the computer and I was just a pain in the backside. So, this app looks pretty cool. Anchor, I'm giving it a go. We'll see what happens. It seems full of promise. And spring feels full of promise, ladies and gentlemen, JBFE listeners. 
You guys are the highest quality of people if you listen to this podcast. You are the proverbial cream of society. Maybe not even the proverbial. Maybe you guys are literally the cream of society. You're listening to like an indie football podcast. None of this mainstream produced, you know, not from like the sausage factory of football media outlets. No, sir. That's not for you. You've got to consume the craft beer of football podcasts. You know, I'm just out the back here in my plaid shirt with my beard and hipster glasses producing this baby. Out in the shed, the moonshine of football podcasts. You guys get it. So, backpats to you guys. You're the best. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Oh, so this is, as you can see, a bit more informal than usual. And that's kind of the format I want to get rocking in the JBFE. Bit informal. Talk about my experience being a football fan. Maybe a football fan is a, is a kind way to say it. I'm an addict. I spend my weekdays and nights just last night on the iPad. How is the triple option offense run? You know, I spend hours reading up on Army and how they run the triple option. That's the sort of kicks I get out of life, looking up the triple option at 11.53 on a Wednesday night. I like to live dangerously. Or it's spending my Saturday mornings scouring YouTube for live streams of high school football. I'm a rebel. Total rebel, obviously. Maverick. That's right. Don't fly too close to the sun while you're live streaming your high school football. But seriously, what a glorious time we live in that this is available. That an addict like me who just needs to hook football to my veins 24-7, the internet is my enabler. There's live streams everywhere. Everywhere you look. High quality football action. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. That's kind of where I started to think about the JBFE a little differently as opposed to just being your stock standard. Now here we're going to preview week nine of the NFL. was more like, I think I need to share my experience with football. I haven't played it, haven't coached it. I've just sort of been on the proverbial sidelines, loving it. One day, maybe I'll tell the whole backstory of how I got into football. But to be honest, I've recorded this particular episode as a video show like three or four times, and I'm kind of sick of hearing myself tell the story. So maybe we'll save it. I I think a podcast in which... And I've got to say, just another little plug for Anchor, who are not sponsoring me in any way, shape or form. This is just me in love with an app that I've just got on this morning. So who knows where this relationship goes. But one feature that I think is really cool about it is that you can get, it's, it's sort of a bit more streamlined in terms of getting some listener feedback where you guys can send audio files to me that I can incorporate into my episode. I can also record live with you know, fellow people, fellow podcasters and that sort of thing. So I don't know, there's this scope to involve more of the people who listen and more of you guys who have football experiences, whether that's playing or coaching, you know, supporting a family member who play. I don't know, there could be a whole range of ways in which you're involved. Maybe you're a club doctor. I don't know, but maybe that's what we'll do. We'll do a themed episode of football firsts, you know, the love at first sight stories that people have about their football experiences, and then I'll tell that story again once I've had a little bit of space, because at the moment, me and that story are pretty, pretty antsy at each other right now.
I've told it enough. It wants to be told and I've tried to tell it. But right now I need a break from it. Because recording it four or five times in a row for a video that didn't end up online. First world internet problems. We'll save it for the football first podcast episode. I reckon that's a goer. But anyway, the point of this little segment was just to say, this is a different show to probably what you're normally expecting. I'm getting away from my preview and recaps thing, that sort of stock standard. There's a bunch of places online you can find that content. And some people do it exceptionally well. And I felt that I gave it a pretty good crack. And it might be something I'll go back to, who knows. But right now we're experimenting in this direction, which feels exciting and a bit different. So I'm going with it. I'm going with it. The danger of being a creative person is you always want to create. But blessing and a curse. You come up with some good stuff sometimes. Other times you come up with bulldust. Hopefully that's not this. So I'm immersed in football 24-7. As I say, I'm reading about it, I'm listening to podcasts, I'm watching high school live streams, I'm trying to I listen to college football because I can't watch that most of the time. I get it on the radio, I'm out there gardening or doing dishes or doing data entry at work and I'm listening to football. I'm watching it on Monday. My partner, who you can know as her Roller derby name, Frida. Frida and I watch football most of Monday. And what an awesome time we live in. To be football fans, this is the best time to be alive as a fan of the great game of American football because it's so bloody accessible. It's everywhere. And... That's what I want to share. My experiences with it. I want to get down to Gridiron Victoria, some of those teams, and have a chat with them. Some players, some coaches, some people involved there. Frida and I have a, a plot, a scheming plot as a couple to get over to America. She's always wanted to go. I've wanted to go since I became a football addict. And let's face it, there's a lot more to football. Uh, (laughs) The old Freudian slip. There's a lot more to football than America. What I meant to say was there's a lot more to America than football. So while I'm over there, I might just take in some of the other cultural elements of that country. But while I'm over there, why not try and make some connections? We're looking to go to Mississippi and Louisiana. They're our two sort of state destinations at this point in time wouldn't mind getting you know maybe to Pennsylvania as well but I don't know we're gonna maybe we'll do more than one trip let's be ambitious and say we'll do multiple trips to the states first up though Mississippi and Louisiana I'd love to make some connections there get out to some high schools talk to some players maybe maybe make some more podcast episodes over there on the road We've talked about trying to get to a game of high school football, a game of college football, and a game of NFL, which I think would be really cool to do. So that sort of stuff. Love to share that with you. I think it's really exciting what you can do with different mediums, and the podcast allows me to be a bit freer. My phone isn't occupied for 14 hours trying to upload a video. I can be a bit more nimble. We've lightened the offense. We've got a nice balance of run and pass now. It's pretty sweet. Having just said I'm you know, getting away from you know, previews, recaps, all that sort of jazz, let's start with a recap of <laughs> Thursday Night Football. The Denver Broncos, Kansas City Chiefs. I just wanted to sort of look back on that game just briefly doesn't need to be anything exceptional because it wasn't an exceptional game. But a few, you know, little interesting points worth noting. 
a 30-6 victory for the Chiefs. Down in Denver at Mile High. That crowd keeps turning up. I don't know why. Pretty insipid football product on the field at the moment in Denver. Uh, Joe Flacco looks flaked out. Totally insipid. Just no energy. Listless. Completed 21 of 34, 213 yards and no touchdowns, no interceptions. Like he's just so-so kind of thing. I don't know. I, I think it's so interesting that, you know, Denver just can't seem to get out of their way in terms of finding a quarterback. I can almost guarantee that if Drew Locke, their rookie QB that they took in this year's draft, I think if he was healthy and if he had dressed for that game, I reckon late on Joe Flacco would have got the yank and Locke would have been in for a few snaps because that offense just looked horrific. It was a train wreck. A train wreck of mediocrity. That's what it was. It wasn't like an exciting train wreck where you're barracking for destruction. You know, sometimes, you know, if you're one of those sort of sick people like me who sometimes will watch things for the the sake of seeing destruction happen. You know, if you're one of those people who cheers, if you're watching car racing and there's a big pile up, you know, there's an exciting kind of train wreck feel about some teams. Not Denver. Denver's sort of train wreck scenario is like the train is late and then it won't start at the station and then they're like, we're sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we can only go 20 miles per hour. And you just drag along and Joe Flacco's, you know, the the driver and he's just steering this train towards mediocre city. And that's what it feels like at the moment. An imperfect analogy, granted. But, you know, sometimes you throw enough paint on the wall and, you know, a lot of it doesn't stick. As Denver is finding out on offense. Kansas City sort of raced away to a lead. Their defense got some interesting, you know, things happening. Got some good pressure on Flacco. You know, they looked good in that sort of sense of being able to get pressure, you know, that you had uh, multiple sacks for Frank Clark, Alex Okafor. They were frequently raiding that Denver backfield. But obviously the big story for the Chiefs to come out of this game was Patrick Mahomes uh, having his number called on a quarterback sneak. The pile collapses on him. You see in the replay, his knee get jammed by another player's leg, I believe. And then last year's MVP is basically slow to get up. I mean, he lies on the ground for a long time. The medics come out. They're looking at him. You know there's something wrong. He's in serious pain. They show a replay a little later of one of those medics popping his kneecap back into place. Patrick Mahomes with a dislocated kneecap. Now that part of the story, by now, we're almost at Thursday Night Football again, so I'm a week slow to get to this. Dislocated kneecap was ruled out of the rest of the game and you know, upon having MRIs, x-rays, etc., was told that, you know, this is a three to six week, whatever sort of proposition. And you're thinking, holy moly, there's big games coming up for the Chiefs. Their season is in an interesting position at five and two. And, you know, Matt Moore came on for the rest of that game. He completed 10 of 19 for 117 yards and a touchdown. You know, but you're not riding for the, you know, you're not wanting to ride as a Chiefs fan with Matt Moore for a month. You know, it's, it's not a fair trade-out. It's not like, you know, in Jacksonville, you lose Nick Foles week one and then you have, you know, Mighty Mustache step in. Gardner Minshew just comes in and explodes onto the scene with his mustache and jorts. It's not really Matt Moore's cup of tea. Not really the Matt Moore football experience. 
It's a bit of a trade down from Mahomes to Moore. No offense meant for Matt Moore. He did all right in the back end of this game against the Broncos. But the Broncos were sort of rolling out maybe like a, a junior high school style offense. I don't know, maybe a junior high... Maybe my, my Vero Beach Fighting Indians might have actually had a better chance of putting up maybe like a field goal or something in the final three quarters than the Denver Broncos did in this game against the Chiefs. Maybe that's harsh. But you know what? I'm a media personality. I've got to have hot takes. The Mahomes story is interesting because he's, it's been confirmed, uh, a news story I saw a couple of hours ago, that he's back training, back on the practice field, planning to throw in training, clearly wanting to beat that initial diagnosis. Now, as a Chiefs fan, I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, this guy is the franchise. Do you really want to rush him back? The AFC is like a hot mess of a conference. The Chiefs at 5-2, and two, you're going to get in. You're going to make playoffs. The Patriots currently undefeated. I think the Patriots are going to get that number one seed, you know, so the Chiefs are going to be fine for that two seed. They've got the loss to the Texans, so I get it. You want to rack up those wins because you're going to need them down the stretch. But what if you rush Patrick Mahomes back and he blows out a knee and you lose him for a season? I mean, that could not, not just be season change, season altering. That could be career altering. You don't want to play with fire here, you know. I say you don't want to ride with Matt Moore for a month, but if it does mean if you can go two and two or something across that month, then that's all right. And then you get Mahomes back for the last bit of the season. I don't know. You don't want to rush him back. Now, he is a freak on the field. Maybe he's a freak off it in terms of his ability to recover from injury. I, I wouldn't want to risk it. I wouldn't want to risk it. So I hope that if he comes back, he is in a in a a position of health, of bountiful health. I hope Mahomes is fully fit and functioning and ready to fire. You don't want to rush him back in when he's he's still suffering the effects of an injury. It's, yeah, too risky in my opinion. The Chiefs got the the job done anyway on Thursday night football last week. Bit of a snoozer of a game in the end, but, you know, there was some significant news to come out of it. And we'll wait and see on the old Patrick Mahomes situation and see, yeah, when he's back. He does make a massive difference to this Chiefs team, but it's not just about the next month. He's got a long career ahead of him. Don't blow out his knee. I think they're a sensible organisation. Sometimes you never know, though. Let's move on. So, from Thursday Night Football, my footballing weekend transitioned from Friday, obviously. See, this is the thing. Thursday Night Football, for us, is Friday morning football. So it gets all weird when you start talking about it. I'm just going to call it Thursday Night Football. I watched it on Friday morning because that's when it screens for us here in the land down under. So my Saturday transitioned into, all right, so we've had Thursday Night Football. What are we going to do? Saturday morning, I've got hours. I've got hours to use before I hit the road for some work and some other things. What am I going to do? You start getting the scratches, the itches. Hey, what am I going to watch? How am I going to get some more football? And I found it. I found the football and plugged it in. So, returned to my high school football live streaming on YouTube. Vero Beach, the Fighting Indians. I watched them a couple of weeks ago for the first time. They had a game against Treasure Coast the Titans Vero Beach came through with an incredible overtime win scoring a late touchdown to force overtime 
and then scoring a winning touchdown on fourth down, no less, to tie the scores in overtime and then kick the extra point to win the game, and I was sold. Going to ride with the fighting Indians for the remainder of their season. Obviously, I'm coming to that game with no context, having no understanding of who they are, what they are. So I watched them this week. This Saturday morning, they took on Charminade Madonna. What a great name. Who I believe were the back-to-back state champions. While Vero Beach Fighting Indians roll and beat them 21 to zip in a pretty tough competitive game. If you can hear some animal sounds in the background, that's my dog drinking water. Wants to get on air clearly. I don't know, he's a loud drinker. If you can't hear it, then I've made a point about nothing and I sound like a raging lunatic. But there you go. So they beat Charminade Madonna. 21 zip. Tough competitive game. Thus tying. And this is again, so I come to this Vero Beach team with no understanding of their place or context. But through this game, learned that with that victory over Charminade Madonna, that they tied a Florida state record for the most consecutive regular season victories. It's a lot more than a dozen. They've won now 60, 60 regular season games in a row. And they'll be looking to beat that record this week when they take on Pierce Central. Can't wait. I'll be live streaming that baby, 7am, Saturday morning, Vero Beach football, come at me. Plug it to my veins. After watching my Vero Beach fighting Indians, I also took in a little bit of a junior college game between College of the Sequoias and Modesto Pirates. The Pirates won that game pretty handily, scored a really specky fake field goal touchdown pass, which I believe is the holder, rolled out to his right and delivered a little strike into the corner of the end zone, which was pretty spectacular, eh? What's really cool about this, though, and I just wanted to give it a little plug, NorCal Sports TV, that's N-O-R-C-A-L, Sports TV, a YouTube channel I've stumbled across. They've got a ton of games every weekend streaming live of high school and junior college athletics. Obviously, I'm in it for the football, but there's a bunch of other things that they cover, and it's really quite cool that you've got these free uh, broadcasts that they do, and, you know, pretty decent quality too. It's certainly helping fuel my addiction, which I'm eternally grateful for. But yeah, they're they're really good outlets for those of us who are looking for that football fix on a day where there's no college football or NFL. And two, if you're not in a position where you can buy NFL Game Pass or you've got Foxtel or something like that, so your football viewing options are limited, free channels like NorCal Sports TV, really, they're a salve for your footballing wounds. If you've got a hole in your heart where football should be, well, NorCal Sports TV, they can hook you up. Highly recommend. Get onto them. NorCal Sports TV, YouTube. Again, not sponsored by NorCal Sports TV, but I feel like I've got to make people aware when there's folks out there doing a great job of hooking us up with football especially in such an accessible way as YouTube live streaming. So get on there and get your fix Saturday morning. NorCal Sports TV, get it in ya. So I've had my football fix on Friday with Thursday Night Football from the NFL. I've had my football fix Saturday morning with some high school and JUCO action. Vero Beach fighting Indians, taking it on Charminade Madonna and then... Uh, The College of the Sequoias playing Modesto Pirates. Well, then I've got to have a look. Again, what do I do now? I need more football. 
just, it's, it's a need. It's not a want, it's a need. You know, I need shelter. I need food and water. I need the love of other caring human beings. And you know what else I need? I need football plugged to my veins. And Sunday, college football day. Normally, get it in my ear holes via some radio streaming. And I did just that. But not before I got to consume some football with my eye holes. And not just the holes that house my eyes, but the eyeballs within those sockets. I got to take in Louisiana Tech taking on the Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. First of all, what an epic name mashup. The Bulldogs taking on the Golden Eagles. Good uniform matchup, I will say as well. And that's an important viewing part of football. Let's have a brief segue here. You know, one of the things that's crucial to enjoying a good game of football is both the setting, the participants or combatants, and their uniforms. Big deal for me. I mean, not a big deal. At the end of the day, I'm happy to watch, you know, Bowling Green versus Toledo in an empty stadium live streamed, you know, like it doesn't really matter as long as it's football, we're all good, we're good to go. However, it's really satisfying when you get a premium matchup of all those things coming together at once. I felt like the Bulldogs, the, the Louisiana Tech, Southern Mississippi game, well, it ticked a lot of them boxes. Daytime game, thank you. Love watching college football in the afternoon. Afternoon games, don't know why. Love watching NFL evening games. But there's something very appealing about watching college football when the sun is out. Don't know why. I'm not going to justify it to you, but that's my preference. Love it, under the light of the sun. Had that. Had a couple of nice uniforms. Good stuff. Active crowd. Very active crowd. Particularly once Louisiana started hitting the front in the fourth quarter. This was a good matchup. Between two pretty good teams in the Conference USA competition. And the reason I was able to watch this is because NFL Network are streaming one of these Conference USA games live every week through the NFL Network thing on Game Pass app. Which, speaking of godsends for football addicts, I've had the old NFL Game Pass hooked to my veins for... I say hooked to my veins a lot. You know, and at a certain point, I imagine it's going to get gratuitous. But until that point, I'm going to keep hooking it to my veins, okay? So you can just let me know in the comments when it gets gratuitous. I mean, I may disable the comments because I don't want to hear that sort of, I don't need that negative talk, you know, in my life. My colloquialisms are mine and mine alone, and I'm going to use them. I'm going to use them to death, all right? Anyway, brief rant there, taking up another 45 precious seconds of the JBFE. So, plugged this on, on uh, Sunday morning, bright and early, 6.30am start, and was a good game, not disappointing in the slightest. In fact, if you said, hey, I've got to show someone a college game of football that's going to have some entertaining things happen, some explosive plays on offense, some explosive plays on defense. Well, I'd say hook them up with Louisiana Tech taking on Southern Mississippi Conference USA matchup because boy, oh boy, it did not disappoint. There was, as I say, the environmental aspect of the game, superb, good weather, good time of day, good crowd, good combatants. 
Lots of twists and turns. The football product on the field, once it rolled out, was exceptional. Turnovers, touchdowns, a lot of scoring. It was great. Some standouts for me. Kaderion Mason, number 96, the defensive tackle for Louisiana Tech. One play in particular bursts through the offensive line and actually overruns the quarterback. And you think at that point, oh, God, if he had got that sack, they could have had Miss Southern Miss stuck. But Kaderion Mason turns on a dime, gets back again, and sacks the quarterback. Excellent effort play. Overruns him to start with, but then the second effort to turn around. This is a big fellow we're talking about. Well, he gets back and takes down the quarterback, Abraham. Also, late in the game, that pressure from the, the pass rush, trying to put some duress onto Southern Miss late in the game. And... Kaderion Mason on that play is actually held. I can't remember if they threw a flag or not, but he's, he's rushing and he's held by the defender. But that pressure that they put on forced Abraham to throw an interception, which was picked off and run back for a touchdown. So Kaderion Mason, a real standout at defensive tackle for Louisiana Tech, also liked Amik Robertson, number 21, playing cornerback for Louisiana Tech. Now, this guy, 15 career interceptions in college, currently leading all active FBS players, and he had three interceptions in that game. Three in one game. Standout. I'll be interested to track his progress as we head through the rest of the college season and towards the NFL draft. See what happens there. Malik Stanley, number 15, a wide receiver. He had eight catches for 212 yards and a touchdown. The whole receiving game for Louisiana Tech seemed to be predicated on getting that guy the ball. And he did a great job. A lot of different sorts of catches. They seemed to like to put it high to him. He seemed to have good hands up in front. I didn't look, look up his actual height, but he seemed... Of a good height. He didn't seem like a small, fast receiver to the eye. But then again, sometimes the eye lies. Sometimes guys appear bigger than they are. But anyway, either way, whatever height he is, Malik Stanley was a standout. Justin Henderson, one of the running backs, number 33 for Louisiana Tech. 111 yards on 19 carries and two touchdowns. Great to watch, and that running game really supported what they wanted to do with the pass. And speaking of the pass, Jamar Smith, quarterback for those Louisiana Tech Bulldogs, 14 of 21, 67% completion percentage, 325 yards, a touchdown and one interception. This guy was fun to watch. And it's like watching one of those near-miss videos sometimes. You know, we talked about train wrecks earlier in the episode. Kind of like that. This one, though... Had a near miss. Eventually, Jamar Smith made more explosive plays in the positive column for his team than in the negative column. And, you know, looked pretty good at times. He's a playmaker. And an example of that, at the end of the first half, evading pressure, scrambling to his left, throwing left deep to Malik Stanley to set up first and goal from the one. There was something almost Russell Wilson-esque about that play. There was shadows of that throw from Wilson to uh, maybe Tyler Lockett. I think that was who caught that pass, you know, leaning out of the end zone a couple of weeks ago in the NFL. It was just sort of a play that you go, holy moly, what a throw. What athleticism at first to be able to scramble away and avoid the pressure and then deliver that throw. Beautiful effort. But then you can see sometimes the decision-making gets a bit chaotic. As a playmaker, he's always looking to create something, and you, can, you probably saw the best and worst of it in that game. Some amazing throws, and then some amazingly awful decisions. You know, throwing interceptions to sort of seemingly predetermined routes, despite there being heavy coverage there. But this guy's bravery is not in question. You know, he, he was able to stick his head over the ball and 
take the quarterback sneak a couple of times, including a fourth and one to set up first and goal. And then on that ensuing set of downs, he took it on third and goal to try and get it in. And then a leaping effort for the touchdown on the fourth down play to put LA, uh, Louisiana Tech in front for the first time that afternoon in the final quarter. Jamar Smith, fun to watch. Really fun to watch. I imagine sometimes his coach pulls out his hair, his hair, not Jamar Smith's hair. It's a roller coaster to watch and good fun. It makes for fun viewing at times. But yeah, Louisiana Tech, Southern Mississippi, Golden Eagles was a good game. Also, on the radio, I took in a little uh, college football Michigan at Penn State, had that in my ears while I pulled some weeds in the backyard. You know, it's good to mix up football addiction with productivity. Did that in spades on Sunday, got a lot of gardening done, pulled some weeds, cleaned out some gutters, mowed some lawns, all while listening to college football. Penn State had a good win over uh, the Michigan Wolverines, but a lot closer the margin in the end than it looked at the end of the first half. Shea Patterson and the Wolverines really pulled it back in the end, only going down 28-21, to but still a good win for Penn State, and I listened to most of that game. And that was sort of my college football Sunday. I wrapped it up listening to a little bit of the Fighting Tigers podcast, which is a good one if you're an LSU fan. Guilty as charged. And they wrapped up LSU's victory from the weekend. So I got all that in my ears while I did some gardening. What a pleasant way to spend a Sunday. And that was my college football Sunday. While we're on the uh, subject of the collegiate aspect of football, I want to just give a um, guiv. Good Lord. I may be losing the ability to speak clear and coherently. So excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. I wanted to give you a little bit of a recommendation for your viewing. I've been watching the latest season of The Season. This is a show on YouTube, the YouTube channel of the Ole Miss Rebels college football team there's a few editions of this I think they may have started doing this back in 2016 so basically a little documentary series that follows the season of the old Miss Rebels uh, they do a little fall camp episode and then there's an episode for each episode uh, for each game throughout the season that the old Miss Rebels play and this season Really good, really enjoying it. Watched the first two episodes last night, watched the fall camp episode. There's also another bonus episode, 125 years of history of the Ole Miss football program, which is pretty interesting to watch. You know, it's a it's a football program with a lot of a lot of history, a lot of tradition. And I think this show does a really good job of giving you a little window into the college football experience. It's really well produced. It looks beautiful. The shots, all those things, you know, the camera work, it looks really nice. Uh, it's got good music choices. If that's important to you, it's important to me. Another football show that excels with its music choice uh, is Last Chance You. I don't know if it's important to you, it's important to me. The opening credit sequence of a TV show, it just sets the tone. And I tell you what, Last Chance You does a spectacular job of setting the tone each season with its opening credit sequence. You know, they've got the, generally have the marching band drumming and some, you know, really nice clips edited in. Uh, I don't know, it's just really good. It sets the tone every year. And old, uh, the, uh, the season does the same sort of job. Really good. They're 22-minute episodes, which is nice and achievable. You can watch a couple at a time. And, you know, the show itself, in terms of the content, finds a nice balance. Uh, You know, sort of the lighter moments between players in fall camp, arriving as freshmen to start their studies, 
you know, guys trying to find their way around campus and that sort of thing. Uh, and then, you know, contrasted with the more serious footballing moments of training and game day, the realities of the winning and losing of football. You know, a football program like Old Miss with so much history, there's been so many highs, you know, national championships and that sort of thing. And then some really low times. And they've been going through some difficult times, you know, in terms of the on-field results for Old Miss. But, you know, they've got a head coach, Matt Luke, who's a former offensive lineman at Old Miss back in the 90s. He uh, took on the challenge of being a head coach for Old Miss, I believe in the 2017 season. And I can't remember if that may have even been midway through the 2017 season. But this is a guy who's clearly passionate. He's a dyed-in-the-wool Old Miss person, clearly bleeds the blue and red, the red and blue of the Rebels. And, you know, I, I just hope you get to see him be successful as things go. It's, it's been a bit of a rough start to the season for the Rebs. But I highly recommend The Season. Look it up on their YouTube channel, Old Miss Rebels, The Season. Good for a watch. Another good insight into a, another experience of football. So, after watching college football on Sunday, my football weekend, which is really a pretty long weekend if you think about it, Moves into the Monday slate of NFL games. Took in the action between the Green Bay Packers and the Oakland Raiders up in Green Bay. Pretty lopsided game in the end. Pretty lopsided game, but worth a watch. The Green Bay Packers defeating the Oakland Raiders 42-24. to but a game for me that was, you know, really notable from the fact that there were so many open plays. There was some really good play calling, both from Matt LaFleur, the flower, who seems to be finding his way in Green Bay, finding a bit of a rhythm with Aaron Rodgers and the rest of that Packers offense. They were just scheming guys wide open and protecting Rodgers. I mean... Part of it is the lack of a genuine pass rush for Oakland. I mean, you sort of think if only they had Khalil Mack. <laughs> That's a bit of an unfair shot, really, because the draft picks that they used, that they, yeah, that they traded in exchange for Khalil Mack, you know, have led to them being able to acquire players like Josh Jacobs, who is looking like the real deal. Absolutely sensational running back, Josh Jacobs. But in this game, they could not disrupt Aaron Rodgers. And when Aaron Rodgers can dice you up at the best of times, even when you get pressure to him. But when he has a clean pocket to play from, well, I was sort of thinking about what is it like watching Aaron Rodgers play quarterback? Because it's different to watching any other player play quarterback. You know, and I sort of started to try and develop this poetry analogy, you know, that he's like really great classic poetry, Walt Whitman, Leaves of Grass or something, you know, and then you've got other guys like maybe like Lamar Jackson, who's more like slam poetry or something. It's a little more improvisational, equally exciting, but for different reasons. Then you've sort of got like the Tom Brady category and, you know, watching Tom Brady is kind of like watching... A, an AI computer program write a poem. It's certainly a poem, and it certainly hits all the right things that a poem should have in terms of rhyme and meter and clever lyrics. and inter- it's, It is a poem that is super productive. <laughs> a poem that's produced six Super Bowls for its franchise. But I've got to say that watching Aaron Rodgers is... Just, and, and you know, this doesn't even come into the conversation of who's better, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? You know, this stupid binary question of one has to be good and one has to be better. Like, it's just different. It's a different experience. Watching Rodgers play is like listening to really smooth jazz. There's just something 
about it. When Rodgers plays well, there are few players in the league who are as enjoyable in that particular way to watch than Aaron Rodgers. It's a different thing to watching Mahomes play or... Like I say, Lamar Jackson, who we're going to get to shortly, it's just a different experience. Rodgers has a way of playing the game, of seeing the game. There's just an ease to it. There's, I, it's, I struggle to work out how to describe it, apart from, as I say, it's like listening to smooth jazz. It's like uh, reading classic poetry. I don't know. There's something romantic about it if we're going to get expansive with our language here, there is something romantic about the way Rodgers, when he plays quarterback to the height of his ability, there are few players as mesmerizing to watch. And he had one of those games on the weekend against the Oakland Raiders. And as I say, both coaches had a great game in terms of their play calling. John Gruden was scheming guys wide open as well. It was a little bit sort of tit for tat. You know, Green Bay ran a particular play where a back sort of came out of the backfield and looked like they were going to block. And in, then they sort of leaked out on a bit of a wheel route and a different back stepped in to, to put that block on. And then Rogers just found that first running back in space wide open for a big gain. There was just stuff like that where they would run that play and then Oakland, a few plays later, would run something almost exactly the same, you know, utilising a, a fullback or a running back. And I don't know, it was just, if you want to watch a game where you're seeing some really nice play calling of guys just getting schemed open and, and some, really, some really nice quarterback play and in general... The Aaron Jones catch for a touchdown, I believe that was in the first quarter. Just a beautiful catch in the corner of the end zone. Just the work to get in the body position to take the catch. He sort of is looking over one shoulder and then just at the last minute snaps his head around to catch that football. Just really special stuff. Stuff that's sort of, you know, it's jaw-droppingly good. And then you had... A throw to Kumaro, a touchdown pass. The pass was beautiful from Rogers. You know, I don't know if I see anyone who can layer that ball in between layers or levels of the defense on the sideline. He had one to Lazard that was dropped, and then the one to Kumaro, which was running for a touchdown. Kumaro did this beautiful job of staying balanced and tiptoeing along the boundary and then diving in to touch the pylon. Great touchdown. And as a very clean, well-schemed game in terms of the pass, a lot of open space, a lot of big gains, just really nice football to watch. Afternoon, an afternoon game, the sunlight, kind of like college football, watching Green Bay at Lambeau Field in the afternoon. Speaking of romantic, ooh la la, classic football. Get this one up on Game Pass, if you've got it. Or if you, can, if you have the ability to go back and watch this, the Packers and the Raiders, good fun game. Then, I took in the Baltimore Ravens at the Seattle Seahawks. This is a game that the, uh, the Seahawks ended up winning, 30-16. to 16. It was close. For long stretches of the game. But I really want to focus this conversation. There's a lot of things you could talk about. And I'm not going to have time to talk about it all. So I want to key in on my biggest takeaway from this game. One, sorry, there's two takeaways. One is that the NFC West is well and truly still open. Well and truly open. The Seahawks falling here. The Rams getting a win at the Falcons. Yes, the 49ers are still undefeated, but I don't think they're going to go undefeated. So those three teams battling. And then the Arizona Cardinals, while I don't think they're a chance to make playoffs, they're a team that now on the back of three consecutive wins, I think can 
can upset a few teams and cause them problems in terms of their own playoff ambitions. I think they could play wrecking ball to a few teams in their division and impact the makeup of the playoff teams in the NFC. So that game, one of the most exciting in all of football. But the other takeaway and the major takeaway that I want to focus on here is Lamar Jackson. He's a Madden player with 99 rating in like agility, speed, etc. He is a freak. He's a human cheat code. A dangerous, dangerous footballing weapon. Here's his stat line for you. So Jackson in the passing game completed 9 of 20 passes. That's a 45% completion rate. For 143 yards, so 143 yards on just 9 completions, a 50-yard pass was his longest, didn't throw an interception, didn't throw a touchdown, he was sacked once. But let's look what he contributed in the running game. 14 carries, 116 yards, a 30-yard longest run, and a touchdown, averaging 8.29 yards per carry. This is like high school or college football numbers. And I get it's a team game, and I get that in order for Lamar to succeed, there's a lot of other stuff going on on offense for the Ravens. You know, there's tight ends blocking and full back play and, you know, wide receivers who are selflessly, you know, playing blocking roles for the good of the team. And they deserve an enormous amount of credit. I think this is a pretty selfless team. But Lamar Jackson, this makes me think, you know, sometimes you look at high school games and everything is... is uh, built around the abilities, the athletic ability of the quarterback. You know, often the, the quarterback in high school, you know, there'll be one or two players on a high school team that are absolute athletic freaks. And it's almost like that's what we've got with Lamar Jackson. This guy is incredible. Now, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan at heart. And to be honest, as a football addict, I'm a fan of a lot of teams. But my primary rooting interest is the Pittsburgh Steelers. So naturally, I have some feelings of animosity towards other AFC North teams, the Cleveland Browns, the Baltimore Ravens, the Cincinnati Bengals. But I've had a begrudging admiration for the Baltimore Ravens and their coach, John Harbaugh. And I tell you what, Lamar Jackson is winning me over. His feistiness, his hunger to win, obviously, as I've said, the freak athletic ability, but it's his willingness and the ability to put that team on his back. There's a moment in the game where they, it gets to fourth down and they're going to kick a field goal and Lamar Jackson comes off the field and all of a sudden there's a timeout call and you see on the sidelines... John Harbaugh will say, do you want to go for it? And Lamar Jackson basically seems to say, hell yeah, I want to go for it. And so the coach has faith in his player. And I love that. I love when coaches back their player. It's one of the things that's frustrated me a little bit with Pittsburgh this season. I get Mason Rudolph is not Lamar Jackson, but Mason Rudolph has his own skills and talents. And it sometimes, it, you know, drives me nuts when they won't just let him make his own mistakes. You know, we've got to run all this wildcat stuff and have him only pass five yards beyond the line of scrimmage and stuff. Let the guy make his own mistakes. Let him go succeed or fail on the basis of his talents and his effort. Don't mollycoddle the player. Have some faith in him. And I love that about John Harbaugh and the relationship he has with Lamar Jackson. He trusted him. And of course, Lamar goes in and he gets that first down. Not just that first down, he turned like third and long situations throughout the game. You know, you need, you know, five, six yards. He turns them into 20-yard gains. He's just so elusive. And, you know, you hear people say, oh, you know, you've got to, what if he takes a hit and what if... It? 
I tell you what, I didn't see him take a hit when he was running the ball. He is so slippery and elusive as a runner, he just makes guys miss. He's breaking ankles out there with his, his agility and his, his side-to-side movement. He's so exciting to watch. So exciting. And a key moment that you see that the potential of this offense, in the final quarter, the Ravens are up 20-13. to 13. So They're up by a touchdown on the road to the Seahawks. They get the ball with 12 minutes and 47 seconds remaining on the clock. So that's most of the last quarter. They then go 13 plays, 86 yards for a field goal to make the lead 23 to 13. But in that process, they take nine minutes off the clock. So Seattle, trailing 20 to 13, the ball goes to the Ravens with 12.47, and the Seahawks don't get it back until there's only 3.50 left on the clock, and they're trailing by two scores. The very next play, DK Metcalf catches the ball, fumbles it. Humphrey for the Ravens picks it up and scores a touchdown to make it 30-13, to and the game is over. This team is so hard to stop driving when Jackson can run the ball, when he can pick up those passes. A nine-minute drive to seal the game in the fourth quarter. It's incredible. And what's the ceiling for this offense? I don't think we've seen it yet. I think there's a lot more that they can uncover and create to utilize Lamar and his skills and have more players around him that help maximize the potential production of this offense. I think there is so much more that we're going to see out of this offense as it develops over the course of Lamar Jackson's career. And you know what? You know, people are going to point to that completion percentage and say, oh, you know, but... When it really counted, could he throw those, you know, crucial passes? 9 of 20. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what he can do when he can't complete the third down pass. He runs it 30 yards and picks up the first down. When you can run like him, you don't necessarily need to pass on third and five. Because when the pass breaks down, then you tuck the ball and you run it. Super impressed with Lamar Jackson. Just super impressed, and I'm one over every week. You know, this is a guy who is, oh, maybe he should convert to a running back. You know, he's not really, you know, a prototypical quarterback. Who gives us stuff? He gets to decide his narrative, and if he plays like he did against the Seahawks, if that can start to be his consistent benchmark, well, this guy is he's a game-changing talent for this Ravens team. He gives them such an identity on offense. Really exciting player to watch. And I'm so keen to see how he develops. And that's my sort of Lamar Jackson rant. But if you get a chance, go back and watch this game. Watch any Ravens game this season because it's a different style of offense. You know, the Arizona Cardinals were talking about, oh, we're going to play the the air raid offense and all this sort of thing. Well, I'll tell you what is fun to watch. The Baltimore Ravens and the way they run the football, the way they play with different types of personnel on the field, they're damn fun to watch. Particularly if you like seeing something really different to what other teams do. And Lamar Jackson is a champion. And I'm, as I say, I'm a Steelers fan. I shouldn't like the Ravens, but I tell you what, he makes it hard to dislike him, both with his play and his attitude. Yeah, I really look forward to following his career. And I can't wait to see the Ravens take on New England. That's going to be the, you know, the big challenge for this Ravens team as you go along. And you know, it's been talked about, you know, can they do this? Can they repeat their success against better defenses? Yada yada yada. Dunno, but it's going to be fun to see what Bill Belichick and the Patriots come back at this offense with with their defense, which is looking historic. They dismantled the Jets 33 to nothing on Monday Night Football. This defense, you know, in terms of its turnover differential, the few, the, you know, the miserly points that they allow, you know, we could be witnessing 
one of the greatest defenses of all time. In terms of a single season, this could be one of the great defensive efforts in the history of the NFL. So as much as you've probably got Patriot fatigue, as well as I have, but I tell you what, we should appreciate what they're doing. As much as we'd love to see someone else win a Super Bowl, they are doing some amazing things. And Bill Belichick is, you know, arguably the finest coach in the history of the NFL. That's hard to say as a Steelers fan. But what, what they are doing, what they have done for the last 20 years, is legendary. And we're living through that history. We're living through a significant time in the NFL in terms of its history. Both in what the Patriots are doing and, you know, the exciting potential of a guy like Lamar Jackson for Baltimore. He could turn the record books on their head in terms of the type of production he can have as a quarterback. I don't think, you know, he's not going to break a Peyton Manning passing records you know, total. But I think he can do a lot of other things that are pretty exciting. He's electric to watch. And I think he can pass the ball. I think he can pass the ball plenty. It's just going to look different to what it does at other teams. They're not doing as much dink and dunk as other teams that rack up high passing yards. Anyway, that's my... My Ravens rant. Lamar Jackson, get your eyes on him because he's, he's sensational to watch. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have your company back on the JBFE. It's been a pleasure to be back talking football. We've talked for over an hour. It's like one of those great conversations you have when you're a teenager and you run up like a four-hour phone bill on your parents' phone. Thankfully for all of us, this is free. How good is that? How good is modern media? We don't have to pay a four-hour phone bill. Just get to listen to football, watch football, consume football. Thanks so much for being a part of the JBFE. Really appreciate it. Going to wrap it up here, I reckon. Go get on with my day. Probably watch some more football. I mean, I'll break it up. I'll go get a coffee or something. You know, tires you out talking football for an hour. What an exhausting ordeal. But in all seriousness, thanks so much for listening and looking forward to doing more of this, talking into your ear holes about the great game of American football. You guys have been great. I've been reasonable. It's the JBFE in a whole new format. We'll talk again soon. Ciao.